Chapter 6 He attacked me, Della cried, struggling up the side of the steep ravine. I didn't mean to do it. I mean, I didn't mean to push him. He just fell, you see. It was an accident. Maya looked even more upset than Della, but she hurried forward and put an arm around Della's shoulder, helping her away from the ravine and trying to calm her. Take your time, she whispered into Della's ear. Take your time. Tell it slowly. Who is that guy? Ricky demanded, standing on the edge of the ravine, peering down at the half-covered body. I don't know, Della said, forcing herself to stop shaking, to stop breathing so hard and fast. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He just came at me. He wanted to. He wanted to. I pushed him away and he fell. He, he's dead. He's really dead. Maya let go of her shoulder and backed away. Della, you promised me, she started, but she was too upset to finish her sentence. My parents, they're going to... Pete came up from behind Della and put a hand on her shoulder. Take it easy. It's over now, he said gently. We'll figure out what to do. Della smiled at him. She was beginning to feel a little calmer. This is really gross, she heard Suki telling Gary. I've never seen a dead body before. But who is he? What was he doing out here? Ricky demanded, looking very serious for once. Just some creep, Della muttered, shivering. But what was he doing out here all by himself? Ricky repeated, his voice high and whiny. Ricky, how should I know? She snapped. He wasn't a close personal friend, you know. He was some guy who attacked me in the woods. He didn't tell me his life story first. Sorry, Ricky said softly. You don't have to shout. Shout? She felt like screaming at the top of her lungs. Are you sure he's dead? Gary asked suddenly. What? Are you sure he's dead? Well, yeah, Della said, picturing again in her mind her frantic, unsuccessful attempts to find a pulse. Thinking about it, she began to feel dizzy again. She sat down on the ground, leaning back on her hands, closing her eyes. Maybe we should double-check, Gary said. I just don't believe this is happening, Maya cried. All of our lives wrecked because of a stupid overnight. Just shut up, Maya, Della screamed, losing control, not caring. But my parents are going to kill me, Maya insisted. Della looked up at her. Tears were streaming down her cheeks. Why is she crying, Della wondered. How can she have the nerve to cry? I'm the one who just killed a man. Chill out, Maya, Suki said sharply. This isn't going to do any of our reputations any good. I don't feel so well, Ricky said. My stomach... He ran into the trees. I'm going down there, Gary said. What for? Suki grabbed his arm. But he pulled out of her grasp and slid down the side of the ravine. Wait, I'll go with you, Pete said. But he made no attempts to follow. Della stood up and watched Gary make his way to the bottom of the ravine. The wind had picked up blowing the leaves she had piled on top of the young man, making it look as if he were moving. Somewhere off in the distance she heard crows calling loudly. The crows made her think of buzzards. She pictured large, black buzzards, voraciously attacking the stranger, pulling him apart. She shook her head hard, trying to erase the hideous picture from her mind. Gary was bending over the body now, brushing away some of the leaves Della had piled on. He feels cold, Gary shouted up to them, his voice trembling, sounding higher than usual. No one said anything. Ricky returned, sweating hard, looking very shaken. I can't find a pulse, Gary called up. What are we going to do? Ricky asked, sitting on the ground, crossing his legs and propping his head up with his hands. We're going to finish covering him with leaves, Suki said, as if it had all been decided. We are? Maya asked, more hopeful than surprised. We're going to pretend we don't know about this? What do you think, Della? Pete asked, standing very close to her starting to put his arm around her shoulders, then hesitating. Can we keep a secret like this? Della asked, staring off into the trees, not looking at them. 
We have to, Maya insisted. Yeah, we have to, Ricky repeated glumly, his head down. Gary reappeared, breathing heavily, looking shaken. No pulse at all, he said. We've decided to cover him up and pretend it didn't happen, Suki told Gary. I guess, Gary shook his head. Anyone disagree with that plan? No one replied. Let's go, Gary said, looking at Pete. I'll help, Della said, starting after them. No, Pete held up a hand. Gary and I can do this. They disappeared down into the ravine. Della didn't watch, but she could hear the scratch and rustle of the leaves as they buried the young man's body in them. She knew it was a sound she would never forget. A few minutes later, all six of them headed back to camp in silence. Somehow, Della was surprised to find the tents, the backpacks, the equipment, and the firewood all just as they left them. Her whole world had changed in that instant back on the edge of the ravine. She found herself expecting everything to be different now. It was reassuring, somehow, to see the campsite looking the same. Maybe everything will go on as before, she thought. Maybe the secret will be left behind here on Fear Island, and a memory of it will eventually fade. Let's pack up and get out of here, Suki said, picking up her backpack. Right, Maya agreed. I don't want to spend another second on this horrible island. No, wait, Della insisted. We can't go back now. Our parents will all want to know why we came back so early. Why we didn't spend the night. She's right, Gary said quickly. You mean we have to spend the whole night here? Maya cried. No, I won't. I won't. She picked up her backpack and angrily heaved it at the pile of firewood. Maya, if you don't chill out, we'll cover you up with leaves too, Suki threatened. Maya gasped. Ricky laughed. He was looking a little more like his usual self. Let's everybody try to stay calm, Gary said. Della's right. We have to stay here till tomorrow. We have to make everything look like normal. We can't give our parents any reason to suspect that the overnight wasn't a great success. What a bummer, Suki muttered. I don't think anyone's in the mood for this anymore. I know, Gary replied, but we have no choice, do we? We have to stay. But I'm so cold, Maya whined. Let's get the fire going, Gary said. A warm fire will make everyone feel better. A warm dinner will make me feel better, Ricky said, especially since I just blew lunch. They built a large fire and roasted hot dogs over it. Della was surprised to find that she hadn't lost her appetite. No one said much. Even Ricky ate in silence, hungrily wolfing down his food. It was a clear, cold night. The wind gusted and swirled, making the campfire flicker and bend. Della looked up to find the sky filled with bright yellow and white stars. How are you doing? Pete asked, scooting down onto the blanket beside her. Okay, I guess. She smiled at him. He really was being nice to her. Gary and Suki sat across the campfire from her, sharing a blanket but not saying anything as they ate. Maya sat as close to the fire as she could get. She was rubbing her hands together, trying to warm them. I just can't get warmed up, she said, seeing Della and Pete staring at her. Guess no one wants to tell ghost stories around the fire tonight, Ricky quipped after they were finished eating. It was his first attempt at a joke, and it received the same silent reception most of his jokes received. I think we should get to sleep as early as possible, Maya said. Then, when we wake up, it'll be time to go home. She shook her head miserably, staring into the orange glow of the fire. I just want it to be time to go home. She stood up and started to drag her blanket toward the girl's tent. No, wait, Gary called, taking his arm off Suki's shoulder. First, we have to take an oath. Huh? What kind of oath? Ricky asked, wrapped in his blanket so that only his face showed. An oath of secrecy, Gary said. The secret of Fear Island must stay here forever. We all have to hold hands and swear to it. The wind howled as the six of them stood solemnly in a circle. 
They each reached a hand forward over the fire. All six hands touched together. Suki pulled her hand away. This is stupid, she said. No, it isn't. A ceremony makes it official, Gary told her. Suki rolled her eyes, but put her hand back with the others. They all leaned together, their faces orange in the firelight. The secret shall be kept, Gary said slowly, his voice a whisper. And as he said it, a rush of wind blew out the fire. Maya screamed. It took a few seconds to get her calmed down. Pete and Suki quickly got the fire relit. Maya was the only one who had reacted, but everyone seemed pretty shaken now. At least there isn't a full moon, Ricky said. We probably don't have to worry about werewolves. His joke was half-hearted. No one reacted. They piled up their backpacks near the fire since there was no room for them in the small tents. Then Della led Maya to the girls' tent. As she reached the opening, she turned and saw Gary wandering away from the campsite with Suki, their arms around each other's waists. Inside the tent, the air was warm and wet. Della began to unroll her sleeping bag, then stopped. Outside, she could hear the wind and the rustling of leaves. The rustling of leaves, leaves being dropped over a young man's body, buried in leaves, in leaves, buried in the rustling leaves. No! She held her hands over her ears, but the sound of the rustling leaves didn't go away. You okay? Maya asked, climbing into her sleeping bag, fully dressed. What? It was hard to hear Maya over the sound of the leaves. So many leaves. Dry, brown leaves, piled so high. I asked if you're okay? Yeah, sure, I guess. We never should have come here, Maya said. I knew we never should have done this. She turned her head away from Della. Della didn't say anything. She finished unrolling her sleeping bag, listening to the wind and the leaves, thinking about the young man, feeling his forehead pressed against her cheek again, smelling the leather of his bomber jacket, then seeing him fall backward as she shoved him, shoved him, shoved him to his death. She forced herself to think about something else. Gary. No, she couldn't think about Gary either. He was off in the woods now, making out with Suki. Why had she agreed to go on this overnight? The whole point was to try to make things up with Gary. But that was out of the question now. Finished. Done. Done for. Like the young man in the woods. Stop it, Della. Stop thinking about it. No, I can't. I can't. I'll never be able to stop. A few hours later, she awoke from a dreamless sleep. Her arm tingled and felt numb. She realized she'd been sleeping on it. She pulled it out of the sleeping bag and tried to shake it back to life. Her face felt wet and cold. Everything felt damp. She sat up, her eyes adjusting to the darkness. Maya was asleep, curled deep in her sleeping bag. Suki was asleep too, breathing noisily through her open mouth. When did she come in? Della swept a hand back through her hair. Wet, wet, wet. Weren't tents supposed to keep out the dew? She heard a sound just outside the tent, a chill ran down her back. Was someone out there? She listened. The wind had died down. It was silent now. A crackling twig broke the silence. Was it a footstep? She heard a scraping sound. Yes. Someone was there. Was anyone else awake? She listened. Another crackling noise, like a footstep on twigs or dry leaves. She pulled herself up, her arms still tingling. She was wide awake now. Maya, Suki, wake up, she whispered. Maya, please, somebody, wake up. Her two tentmates stirred. What time is it? Maya finally asked, her voice raspy from sleep. Shh, Della warned. Listen, I think there's someone out there. That startled Suki and Maya into consciousness. They both climbed onto their knees. Huh? Probably the wind, Suki whispered, but she looked as frightened as Maya. What should we do? Maya asked, pulling her sleeping bag around her to keep warm. Shh, listen, Della whispered. They heard a crunching sound, a sound like a shoe scraping over dirt. Then another sound. What was that? A cough? 
Della got to her knees and started making her way cautiously to the tent opening. Her side ached. Her neck felt stiff. Whoever said that sleeping on the ground was comfortable? Della, get back, Maya pleaded. Where are you going? To see who or what it is, Della whispered. Are you coming with me? Stuki ducked down into her sleeping bag, pulling it up around her head. Maya made no attempt to move. Looks like I'm going by myself, Della sighed. Go back to sleep, Suki's voice came out muffled through the sleeping bag. This is all just a bad dream. Another crunching sound inside the tent. This one a little louder, a little closer. Here, take this! Maya, looking guilty, handed Della a flashlight. Holding the flashlight in one hand, Della struggled into her sneakers. She hesitated at the tent opening, then stepped out, shining the flashlight in a quick circle around the campsite. No one there. She took another step out of the tent. The fire had nearly burned out, red-blue embers crackling weakly in front of her. She stopped and listened, a footstep, just beyond the boys' tent. Who's there, she called, but her voice came out softly. She knew it didn't carry past the tents. She heard another footstep. Anybody there? A little louder this time. Keeping the light ahead of her and down low, she walked past the boys' tent, stepping gingerly since her laces were untied. She was at the edge of the clearing now. There was no wind at all. The only sound was that of her breathing and of another footstep over dry leaves. She took a few steps into the trees. Who's there? She shined the flashlight in a wide circle. She shivered more from fear than from the cold. What am I doing out here? She asked herself. Who do I think I'll find? Why am I being so brave? Shivering again, she turned back. It was probably just some animal anyway, she thought. Of all the stupid things. Wandering off into the woods in the middle of the night, chasing after a stupid animal. I'm losing my mind, she thought. She stepped carefully past the fire and was about to climb back into the girl's tent when something caught her eye. The backpacks. They had been piled so neatly by the fire. Now they were scattered on the ground. Had someone knocked them over? She took a few steps toward them and shined the flashlight on them. They didn't seem to have been opened. No, it must have been the wind. Or maybe an animal. A raccoon searching for food. That's all. The footsteps she heard heading into the woods. They must have been the same raccoon. Maya and Suki were sitting up by the tent opening, nervously awaiting her return. Just a raccoon, I guess, Della said with a shrug. I knew it, Suki said, shaking her head. She slid back down into her sleeping bag. Thank goodness, Maya breathed in relief. Della kicked off the sneakers and slid back into the sleeping bag. It was cold in there now. She knew it would take a long while to warm it up. She listened, but now all she could hear was Suki's loud breathing. She listened to Suki's snores and Maya's tossing and turning for the rest of the night. She couldn't get back to sleep. In the morning, they all emerged groggy and stiff, like bears coming out of a winter-long hibernation. Maya seemed constantly on the verge of tears, although she never gave in and cried. They ate a quick breakfast and packed up in the near silence, eager to get away from the island, eager to end the overnight, eager not to see each other for a while, to be able to go off somewhere and think silently, by themselves, about what had happened. The red morning sun was still climbing over the trees when they stepped out of the woods and onto the rocky beach. The lake looked flat and purple in the morning light. The air was clear enough for them to see the town stretching along the bank on the other side of the water. Oh no, my backpack, Ricky cried. I left it back there. He turned and headed back to the campsite, running at full speed. The others hurried toward where they had left the canoes, their sneakers crunching over the pebbles. A few seconds later, they all stopped and stared. The canoes, Della said. They were gone. Oh no, Maya cried. We're trapped here. Chapter 7
Someone must have taken them, Della said. I know this is where we left them. She shifted the heavy backpack on her shoulders and looked across the lake to town. It was so close, but so far away. Now, don't anybody panic, Gary said, looking very worried. Don't panic? What do you mean, don't panic? Maya cried, her face red, her eyes wide with fear. Who could have done this? What are we going to do? I've got to get home. My parents will kill me. We won't be here long. When we don't get home on time, they'll send somebody to look for us, Gary said. That was all supposed to reassure them, but it didn't reassure Maya at all. Then everyone will know that we came here without Mr. Abner, she cried. Are you sure this is where we left them? Suki asked, kicking at the sand. Yes, of course, Gary said. Look, you can see the tracks in the sand. So somebody had to steal them, Della said quietly. She thought of the dead young man buried in the leaves. They were trapped on the island, trapped with him. What's going on? Ricky called, lumbering up to them, dragging his backpack. The canoes, Maya started. Oh, no. Ricky turned white. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I moved the canoes. You what? Why? A guilty grin spread over Ricky's face. He backed away from them, dropped his backpack on the sand, and raised his hands, as if preparing to fend off an attack. It was supposed to be a joke. I did it yesterday, before the, uh, accident. I don't believe this, Suki scowled at Ricky. You've got a great sense of humor, sure. I'm sorry, it was just a practical joke. Yesterday, I doubled back during the zap war and moved them, Ricky said. So sue me. When I did it, I didn't know Della was going to kill a guy. Della gasped. Ricky! Give her a break, sure, Pete said quickly. Give us all a break, Gary said impatiently. We all just want to get away from here. Where'd you hide the canoes? Right over here. They followed Ricky about a hundred yards down the beach. The canoes were resting in some tall weeds behind a low dune. You really are a dork, sure, Suki said, looking at him as if he were a piece of dirt. I said I was sorry, he shrugged. They pulled the canoes to the water, tossed their equipment in, and climbed in. The trip back to town seemed to take forever. No one talked. No one looked back at Fear Island. One day later, and we're all different people, Della thought. We all have a secret now. We all have a nightmare that we share, that we must hide. She looked at Maya. Her auburn hair was a mess of matted down tangles. Her eyes were red-rimmed with dark circles around them. She looked as if she'd been crying all night. Pete, who was always so perfectly neat, was wearing a stained and wrinkled sweatshirt. His unbrushed hair fell down over his eyes. The occupants of the other canoe looked just as worn out. Suki's spiked hair was plastered flat against her head. She hadn't even tried to comb it. Her face was pale, white as cake flour, as if all her blood had been drained. Ricky paddled silently in the rear of the canoe, breathing heavily, sweat dripping down his face despite the cool morning air. Only Gary looked almost normal, except for the tense, worried look on his face as he paddled rhythmically, never moving his eyes from the approaching shore. I'm going to be home soon, Della thought, but it isn't going to be the same. Nothing is ever going to be the same. The slap of the paddles against the water gave way in her mind to the sound of rustling leaves. Again, she saw the dry brown leaves being piled onto the lifeless form in the ravine. The leaves were everywhere, so dry, so dead. She looked down. The lake was filled with them, filled with dead leaves, filled with death. Della, are you okay? Pete's voice interrupted her thoughts. The rustling leaves vanished, replaced by the sound of the paddles and the water lapping against the sides of the canoe. Yeah, I'm okay. I was just thinking. She forced a smile. She knew it wasn't terribly convincing. Everything will be okay, Pete said, 
You're almost home. Almost home. Maybe I will feel better when I get home, Della thought. But when, less than an hour later, she pulled open the back door and saw her mother dressed for church, finishing breakfast at the kitchen counter, she was overcome by a feeling of dread. How could Della face her? Well, Mrs. O'Connor asked, after tilting the coffee cup to her mouth to get the last drop. How was it? You're home so early. Yeah, well, we got up early, Della managed to say. She wondered if her mother could see how nervous she was. Mrs. O'Connor was usually a mind reader. She could read more into Della's eyes and expressions than was scientifically possible. You look like you didn't get much sleep last night. Her mother shook her head disapprovingly. Not much, Della said. She walked to the refrigerator and took out a carton of orange juice. She had a sudden urge to cry. She hoped that maybe, just maybe, an activity like getting orange juice for herself would help her keep control. But how can I keep control? I killed a man last night. Did her mother see her hand shaking as she poured the juice into a glass? No. Guess you don't want to come to church with me, her mother said. I'm going to bed. I could sleep for a week, Della told her. Was it fun? Mrs. O'Connor asked, standing up and straightening her dress. Kind of, Della said, drinking the orange juice at the sink, keeping her back to her mother. Were you really up the whole night? Mrs. O'Connor asked. No, not the whole night. Want breakfast? No, I don't think so. Did you talk to Gary? Her mother knew Della hated questions about her boyfriends, but that never stopped her. Not too much. Della drank half the glass. She poured the rest in the sink. I was just asking, Mrs. O'Connor said with a shrug. Ask me if I killed somebody last night, Della thought. You look exhausted, her mother said, frowning with concern. I'm going to tell her everything, Della decided. I can't keep it in. I just can't. Mom, I... Yeah? She was halfway out the door. Della hesitated. What is it, Della? See you later, she said. The door closed behind her. Della slept all morning and most of the afternoon. When she came downstairs a little before four, her mother was out. She made herself a tuna sandwich and ate it hungrily, washing it down with a Coke. She felt a little better. All of that sleep helped a lot. Taking a bowl of potato chips with her, she went back up to her room and did some government homework. To her surprise, she was able to concentrate on the chapter she was reading. She thought about the young man in the ravine only once or twice, and even then it seemed like a distant memory, like something that had happened and was over. When her mother got home, Della realized she no longer had the urge to tell her what had happened. At dinner, she told her some stories about the overnight, some of them made up, some of them true. She told her about the zap war, about how good the hot dogs tasted over the open fire, how Ricky had hidden the canoes, and how alarmed they were about it. I may be able to do this after all, she thought. I may be able to put it behind me and go on with my life. She began to feel confident, relaxed, almost good about herself until the phone rang at 7.30, and she picked up and heard Maya's trembling voice. Della, can you come over? I'm not doing so well. What? What do you mean? Are you sick? No, it's just, well, I'm sure my parents suspect something. Della suddenly had a cold feeling on the back of her neck. Her neck muscles tightened. Maya, you didn't tell them anything, did you? No, of course not, Maya replied quickly, her voice tense and high. Of course not, Della. But I think they suspect, I mean, I just have a hunch, and I don't, I mean, I don't know how much longer I can. Okay, try to calm down, Della said, sounding irritated when she meant to sound comforting. I'll be right over. Thanks, Della. Hurry, please. Della hung up, feeling more annoyed and sympathetic. It seemed to her that Maya wasn't even trying to get over this. Well, maybe she was. Maybe she was doing the best she could. 
In a way, she had gotten Maya into this mess. Maya wouldn't even have gone on the overnight if she hadn't urged her so strongly. I've got to stop thinking about her so harshly, Della decided. I'll go over there and give her a pep talk, make her feel better. That's what friends are for, after all. Friends. Were her friends going to come through for her? Were they going to keep the secret as they had vowed? They had to, Della decided. They had to. She slipped into a clean pair of jeans and a light sweater, brushed her hair until it fell straight and smooth behind her shoulders, put on a little clear lip gloss, and then looked around the room for her wallet. It wasn't on her desk. It wasn't on the shelf by the door, where she usually kept it. My wallet, she thought. When did I have it last? Did I bring it on the overnight? Yes, it had been in her backpack. She hadn't unpacked her backpack, she realized. She had just tossed it down by the bed and forgotten about it. She wanted to forget about it, of course. Now, as she picked it up and dumped the contents onto her bed, the old feeling of dread swept over her. The sound of the crackling dry leaves seemed to pour out of the backpack. She tossed it to the floor and searched through the wrinkled clothing and toilet article she had packed. Where was the wallet? I know it was in there, she thought, but it's gone. Could someone have taken it? No, that was impossible. Everything from the pack felt so cold. She had carried the chill of Fear Island home with her, and now she too felt chilled, pawing through her stuff again and still not finding the wallet. How mysterious. She decided to go to Maya's without it. Maya lived only a few blocks away, in the North Hills section of town. Della told her mother she was going there to study, and headed out the door. It was a warm night, almost balmy, a pleasant contrast to the night before. On the front lawn down the block, a group of kids was playing baseball, even though it was already dark. A few doors down, Mrs. Kinley was shouting for her son that it was time to come home, and was being completely ignored. North Hills was such a quiet, peaceful neighborhood, the nicest neighborhood in Shadyside. For some reason, seeing the kids playing ball, walking past the large, quiet houses, past the manicured, carefully tended lawns, made Della feel sad. Somehow, she didn't feel a part of that quiet, peaceful, respectable world anymore. Her secret made her an outsider. Stop it, Della, she warned herself. Just stop it right now. It's natural that you feel sorry for yourself right now, but that will pass. Maya opened her front door the instant Della rang the bell, and, without saying a word, pulled Della upstairs to her room and closed the door. Della never could get over Maya's room. It looked like a little girl's room, with lacy white curtains on the windows, shelves of dolls and stuffed animals everywhere. Maya, you look terrible, Della cried, and then immediately regretted saying it. What a way to cheer someone up. Maya burst into tears. I keep crying, then stopping, crying, then stopping, she sobbed. She pulled a handful of tissues from a box on her dresser and covered her face, blotting up the tears. When she took the tissues away, her face was bright red. Della walked over and put her arm around Maya's shoulder. Maya, everything will be okay, I promise, she said softly. You promised me before, Maya said, not looking at Della. Della didn't know what to say. What are you worried about? Tell me in words, she said, leading Maya to the bed. Maya sank onto the gray and pink quilt. Della sat down in the small gray corduroy armchair across from the bed. My parents? I know they're suspicious. How do you know? What did they say to you? Well, nothing exactly, but my mom looked at me funny. I don't blame her, Della said. You don't exactly look your best. What did you tell them about the trip? Not much. Just that I had a fun time and that I didn't spend a night making out in the boys' tent, and that it wasn't the wild orgy they imagined it would be. That's for sure, Della muttered. Well, it sounds like you did okay. Did you take a nap or anything? I tried, but I couldn't sleep, Maya wailed. 
I just keep seeing that guy lying in the ravine. You need some sleep, Della said. You'll feel much better, really. I slept almost all day, and I'm feeling... What? I'm feeling better. Really, I am. You know, what happened to that guy last night was an accident. I know, Maya said, wiping her running nose with her hand. He attacked me. It's not like he was some innocent kid. Yeah, I know, Maya repeated edgily. He fell and he was killed. It's not like I intentionally tried to kill him. It was an accident. You have to remember that. An accident. I know. Well, then, what has you so upset, Maya? Della asked patiently. It's just that we're going to be caught. Everyone's going to find out about the accident. About us being there by ourselves without Mr. Abner. About everything. That's just not true, Della insisted. It'll be weeks or months before the body is discovered. If ever. Maya started to cry again. It took Della a long time to calm her down. They talked for more than two hours, with Della doing her best to reassure Maya that all their lives would soon return to normal, and that their secret would remain one. At first she felt angry that Maya was acting so much more upset than she was. After all, Della had been the one who was attacked, the one who shoved him, the one who killed him. But looking around at the frilly room filled with dolls and stuffed animals, and thinking about Maya's strict, overbearing parents, Della became more understanding. Maya didn't have much of an opportunity to act like a grown-up. Her parents were doing everything they could to keep her a child. By the time Della had finished talking to her, Maya seemed much calmer. Now, get some sleep, Della told her, heading toward the bedroom door. You'll feel much better tomorrow. I know you will. Thanks, Della, Maya said, smiling for the first time. Sorry I'm being such a drag. Della waved goodnight and headed downstairs and out of the house. It felt good to breathe some fresh air. Maya's room had been hot and stuffy. Della was surprised to see the pavement wet. It must have rained while she'd been inside. She walked quickly along the street, which seemed to glow from the streetlights being reflected on the wet pavement. The wet lawns glowed too, and Della suddenly had the feeling she was walking to a different planet, a green, wet, glowing planet of soft light and eerie silence. Her house was dark except for the yellow porch light. Her mother must have gone to bed early. She pulled open the screen door and something dropped at her feet. An envelope. She bent down and picked it up. She examined it under the yellow light. There is no writing on the outside of it, just a black smudge, probably a fingerprint in the lower right corner. She felt something bumpy inside. She let the screen door close and stepped back to open the envelope. She tilted it and let the bumpy object drop into her hand. It was a tiny silver skull. A skull from the chain around a dead man's neck? Peering into the envelope, she saw a small square of notepaper inside. Her hand shaking, she pulled it out. A single line was scrawled in pencil on one side. It said, I saw what you did.